hoi ono ki ora tātou. Ki ora tātou i roto i te āhua tanga nui o te rā. Tātou kua tai ki te mutunga o tēnei hui mo tēnei tau. Nō reira ngā mihi mahana ki a tātou katoa. Kia ora everyone. First of all, I'd like to acknowledge images and sound for supporting this particular session and obviously acknowledge big screen symposium and all the people that have have worked hard to bring us uh, an incredible event over the last 48 hours. So if we could have a round of applause. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Bailey Mackey, and um, I'm here today to, I guess, uh, moderate uh, this session, but um, I hope it, it's uh, just more of a, a catch-up um, with an incredibly uh, good friend of mine, but more than that, I think um, somebody uh, who uh, wa that we all want to hear from uh, because you've lasted this long in the uh, in the event. So uh, to get this far and this deep into um, this fantastic event uh, is must mean that uh, he's definitely somebody to hang around for. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce, I guess. Um, our guest, our friend, our mentor, um, Cliff Curtis. John, I like our t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> good salesman. Uh, good salesman. Um, I'll <laughs> Ngā waka maho o te, o te motu, me ngā iwi katoa, ngā rauranga tira, ngā kauma tuanga, ngā whānau katoa, ngā whānau whānui, ngā mihi ki o koutou katoa. Mm. How's things, brother? Poi, good, good. Bit nervous. <laughs> Bit nervous. Um, I guess, uh, like a lot of people here today, um, I sort of want to start from the beginning. Um, mm. <clears throat> your childhood, what was your childhood like? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously, we'll go there. We'll start right, there because we'll there's some okay, things then. I want to dig deeper into. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, where, where I thought the theme of the thing was risk, so that's uh, pretty risky Risk, starting off risky my childhood. I had an awesome childhood, um, lots of fun memories. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, well, I'm not Tarawa so I'm from, uh, my dad's from Tarawa, my mum's from. Um, uh, over near Taihapu Way, it's uh, Ngati Hoiti. And uh, uh, as I say, you know, uh, there was this handsome young fella from there and he went to a freezing works um, down in Invercargill and there was this beautiful young Māori girl who was at the nursing college and, and then he said aha and then she said aha and then here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of about eight, about eight kids. And then... Um, uh, you know, uh, there's, no, there's no real good story without a bit of tragedy. When I was about three and a half, my mum and my sister died in a car crash. And then, um, and then I travelled around. Uh, we, have a, we have a system, a traditional system called whāngai. My dad was a whāngai, I'm a whāngai, which means, you know, the nearest family member. You've all got that, you know. You go and stay with your auntie or your queer. Well, I bounced around a lot. I was born in Paraparaumu. I bounced around between Paraparaumu. Um, Marata, Whakatane, Rotorua, Foxton, yeah, you know, around like that, yeah. So it sort of started off like that, and then 
sort of, uh, yeah, that's sort of early childhood. I don't know, how far, how far you want to go, bro? Uh, and then, <laughs> so you spent a lot of your early childhood in, 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 in Paraparaumu? Uh, no, it's pretty here and there, you know. Yeah, kind of born there, and then I ended up, I started school in Whakatane, actually, at Upanui Primary, and then went to school in St. Joseph's in Marata. Then I went to school in Paraparamu, then back up to Marata, then back down to Paraparamu, then back up to Marata, to Paraparamu, to Rotorua. Kind of like that. <laughs> oh, and I forgot Poxton. Foxton. And I went to school in Poxton too. Any early hints of performance or acting? In, in, I don't in, think so. No. And you're young, and you're nothing? <laughs> no. No. What about, uh, and I know uh, this has been brought up previously, what about Not really. No, early, early childhood, yeah, I don't early think childhood. so, yeah, no, 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 I don't think so, no, and we, and none whatsoever. When, when did it start, though? Uh, yeah, I've wondered that myself. Um, yeah, there was the rock and roll dancing. Yeah. So um, that, that sort of came out because I was driving my dad to solo appearance dues and rock and roll dancing things so he could pick up women. Yeah. He was a bit of an alky, so yeah. I knew he needed me to drive. And then I got bored, and then I started dancing. And then I started dancing, and because I started dancing, and I started winning championships with my dance partner, then I got to choreograph at Kapiti Players some musicals, and then I started doing, I just came out of nowhere. But I did do kapahaka cool. when I was at school in Rotorua. And yeah, so that, that was a bit of performance there, but I wasn't very good. At kapahaka? Not really, no. Wow, I, I thought you would have been, because I do want to pick up on Kapaka, because it was there, I guess, um, during your late teens that you met Mitamohi. And, early um, teens. Early teens. I was 13, 14, yeah. yeah and for those of you who don't know, Mitamohi is a uh, Māori weaponry expert uh, in Rotorua, and I know, I know he's had a big impact on you, Cliff. No, he's my, he's my man, he's my hero. So he, he sort of was the first sort of Māori, obviously Māori male role model that sort of thought being Māori was cool, because my dad thought being Māori was pretty dumb. So yeah, that was a big, big impact on me, because I thought my dad was dumb. I love my dad, but yeah. I still thought he was a bit dumb. But, um, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but um, yeah, but Mita, he was, he was an awesome influence, and uh, he used Mōrāko Mōtaiaha as, as a way of uh, instilling confidence, because I wasn't very confident as a kid or as a teenager, and the, the, I still carry the wounds today. <laughs> Just a joke. You can, yeah, that's, I have to tell people when I do a joke. Because I'm, I'm not very funny. <laughs> yep, I'll leave that to Taika. But I guess, was that, you say that he was a role model, uh, that Koromita was a role model, but what about, I, I guess, the discipline associated with the art? Uh, yeah, no, no, well, well, the Modako, he used the traditional Motayaha Modako method, which is basically a form of, of um, um, martial arts, as a way to instill, you know, he's used words like self confidence, self discipline, self um, uh, valuing oneself, uh, reinstalling dignity, and all that kind of stuff. You know, he was combating all of the stats, you know, he was, him and his wife. They were, they were making a proactive, and the reason why I ended up there is because when I was about 12 or 13, I became a ward of the state. And so the, actually the ward, the, a social welfare worker placed me on Macquoy Island to study, to, because he was starting this new program for, for wayward kids that weren't really coping with life that well. So that's how I ended up there. 
I wasn't like, oh, I want to be a Maori. It was like, oh, I got to go and see this fella. <laughs> Jump around up and down with a stick all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but it turned out to change my life, really. Yeah. Um, Toy Fakati, I want to fast forward a little bit, but um, drama school. When, when did you make the decision to pursue drama school? Uh, well, um, gosh. Ah, oh, jeez. Um, well, when I was doing the rock and roll stuff, then I did... Um, then I did... Uh, I left school when I was about 14. And then I was working as a labourer, and then I started doing as a hobby the rock and roll dancing, and then that led on to amateur, and then I was about 17, 18. I did some amateur productions, and I was encouraged. I had a one, another wonderful mentor, was Ralph McAllister. Um, he, he's a theatre um, critic at the time. Um, and uh, he and a bunch of friends from that time, they encouraged me to pursue acting. And I thought, why not? I hate what I'm doing. Because at the time, I used to dig holes and lay concrete and do roofing and stuff like that. I didn't hate what I was doing. It's like it was sort of pointless. And so it was this whole idea of like, oh, well, you can actually go. I can go back to school. I can't even read, man. You know, so, um, and I literally, I can remember, I don't know if there's anyone in the audience here that was there at that panel. No, I'm not too sure. But when I, when I auditioned for drama school, um, you know, I, I auditioned with a piece from Othello. Whatever. And uh, <laughs> thou wouldst have been better have been born a dog than answer my wicked wrath. Uh, Al. <laughs> or, or, um, and another thing from an Edward Albee play. Um, um, I think there was, a, there was a big moment. I watched this amateur play. Uh, it was called Look Back in Anger. And there was a character in it called Cliff. And uh, it was on at the Te Horo School. And it was the PTA Association, whatever, in the Te Horo School. You had a classroom with fit about an audience of maybe 15 people and about six players doing this play. And I can remember watching it and there was a character who was really, 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 really mean to his missus. And he kept calling her pusinamalous and saying that meant you're useless and you're stupid. And at half time, then he was kissing his girlfriend's girlfriend and I was going to smash him. <laughs> I was like going, this guy's a dick. I want, to, I want to get up and I'm going to smash this guy because he's such a... I was really angry with him. And then the lights came on. And I for, I'd forgotten what I was looking at. It was sort of like, what the wow. heck was that? Because I was totally sucked in in a PTA association kind of... Then they were all just student, Ralph McAllister's teaching students. Wow. Um, and they, were, they so pulled me into their little drama. And I remember walking out that night at half time, walking around the tennis court going... What just happened? My life has changed. I was looking up at the stars. What am I to do? I can't go back to digging holes. No. Not that for me. And then, yeah, from there, they encouraged me to go to drama school. And, then, and I remember at drama school, I tried doing these pieces. And the audition must have been pretty, pretty rugged. And uh, so they were very gracious, though. They um, asked me to audition again with a piece that they said, the pieces that I'd chosen, I hadn't chosen them, I didn't know what I was doing, um, were too big for me. You know, they were like a, a loose suit. Or, or in my days, I was wearing overalls in those times, so they just were too loose, so I had to try something. And surprisingly, I actually made sense of what they gave me. It was something from um, the rugby play. Someone, if only you'd know. Forskins Lament. Lament, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a, I think it was a, a, a segment from that. And it made sense to me. I knew what I was saying. <laughs> so they were clever, and that's how I got into drama school, yeah. You, you really did have a... Uh, I, I remember once being at Toy Fakati and looking at all the photos. 
your particular class was a class was the golden class. Uh, Michael Galvin. Um, wow. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Galvin. Where are you, Michael? Well, hori ahi pene. Yeah. Um, but it was a fantastic class. No, it was so. amazing. No, no, we had, yeah, they called us the, I don't know, the magnificent something That's or other. Yeah, was. They, they coined class. it. Um, yeah, and, and it, it was a very strong year. Actually, that year, which was really exceptional that year, it was, um, there, were, there was an intake of 12, and uh, we were coming up to the 20th year or the 21st year of the, the, the New Zealand Drama School ever existing, and they'd renamed it the They'd given it a Māori name, Te Kura Toi Whakaari or Aotearoa. And, um, and uh, it's the first time that they'd had um, more than one brown person in the intake. And in fact, there were six of us, and that was more in that one intake than it had been in the previous 21 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, eh? Crazy. You, could you could count them on your hand. There was like Rauri Paratene, Nat, Nat, Daniels, Nathaniel, I mean Nathaniel, Lees. Nathaniel Lees. Um, oh God, there's only about four or five of them, and I think of that of that um, period, only like two or three of them had graduated. A couple of the others all just dropped out because it was such a foreign environment. It was such a weird place to go. Mm. Well, I want to talk a little bit about some of your early roles. Um, <sighs> yep. And uh, I guess the transition from student. Uh, to paid act, and I know that there are some students here from Toy Fakati. Um, so, some of your early roles Undercover, Desperate Remedies, do you remember those? Dave Gibson told me he gave you your first <laughs> gig. Is Dave still here? Dave Gibson gave me my first. I, no, actually, I was going to say my first pay gig. Actually, we <laughs> didn't get paid. <laughs> Where is he? Where, it, it's not true. I, I, it was. <laughs> no, I think what you did is you might have... No, no, no. No, I, I think what you did is... No, no, not, not the first... My, you gave me my first pay gig. That's true. That was, uh, that was Undercover with Yvonne. That was my first pay gig as an actor on screen. So thank you, Dave. Yeah. Ciao, yeah. No, there was one before. We were at drama school students, and we all went to Gibson Group. And I think you might have made a donation to, to New Zealand Drama School. I'm not sure, but... Yeah. yeah, that was that was that was before that. What was that transition like? Uh, from because we were students. We we were oh, actually at drama school. We were not allowed to get paid gigs. Ah. Yeah. So yeah. So it was legit. Yeah. Totally, totally above board. <laughs> Don't upset you now, Dave. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah. And what, what was good. that like? The transition out of drama school? Because I guess. Um, you know, like most students, you go in with so much uh, expectation and hope and optimism that when you walk out, you're discovered, and next minute you're in LA. Is that how it was? <laughs> nah, man, there was nothing. There was nothing. There no. was no, it was a hopeless choice in life. You know, I, I'll tell you what I learned how to do grow my hair. <laughs> I gave up on clothes. <laughs> I, you know, I just went back, I sort of regressed to my childhood, pretty much. Because I, I grew up without shoes, you know, and, you know, and we literally had a cupboard in the corner, and you just go in the cupboard, and whatever clothes were there, you put them on, and that was your clothes for the day. So I sort of, ask Michael Galvin. <laughs> <laughs> ask any of them what I dressed like. Well, it hasn't improved much. <laughs> but, 
But no, it was, uh, yeah, no, no, it was, a, it was a useless choice. Who wants to go to drama school and become an act only losers? Unless, of course, you're Michael Galvin. You know, those fellas, had a, those fellas had a plan. Those fellas were smart. You see, our year was split between those who, who'd done English Lit and, and Victoria. They were the smart ones, and there were people like me and Hordy and, you know, and Sima, you know, we were literally from, we were green, brother. We were from, we were street. We were paru. I mean, we smelled. We used to sleep in the library. And I'm not joking. We did. Wow. Nah. So, yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was, a, it was an opportunity to, I used to, uh, it was a wonderful time, actually. It was my happiest time um, because um, I used to walk through the streets and look at all these people scurrying off to work, stressed about I don't know what, and I was thinking, what are they all doing with their lives? And when I was a, a tradesman, I used to go into people's houses, and I used to like wonder, like, because yeah, I used to get in to fix your window, I'd be this guy who'd turn up and you go, oh, over there, and I go and dig the hole or whatever, and, and, you know, and you'd look at me and sort of think, oh, is it safe to have this fellow in my house? <laughs> yeah, I was that fellow. <laughs> Hence, the roles that I procured later on in my career. I just had that ahu about me. But, um, uh, there, but there was always the sort of sense of like, what is it all about? What's it all for? So drama school for me was a moment to sort of say, it's not about anything. You know, I can grow my hair long, not wear shoes, uh, wear the tights that are left over in the dance studio, sleep in the library. It was, a, it was an awesome, awesome time. Um, I just want to... <laughs> it was. I loved it. I want to... Is this helping you, brother? Yeah, no, I'm there, I'm there. I, I want to fast forward a couple of years to, I guess, a seminal time... I should have written a disclaimer before I yeah. did this. A seminal time in your career, and I guess a seminal time in terms of the New Zealand film industry, and uh, I'd like to acknowledge Robin Scholes, who's here today. Once we're warriors. Um, I know uh, there's a theme of risk um, here at uh, the symposium this year. Um, tell me about uh, the Once We're Warriors experience. Once We're Warriors. Um, well, from, well, you know, it's a phenomenon, and it ch changed our lives, changed my life, you know. I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, Actually, it was Ralph McAllister going back to, um, he's the one that handed me that novel when I was still just coming out of drama school. And he said, look at this book. You should do something. Like He was thinking like a one or two-hander, like a theatre piece. And I like read the subject, man. I was like, ugh, yuck, paru, man. That's just too, like, that's just taking me to a place I don't want to be. You know, and of course, it became this phenomenon. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, God, really? This is what we're going to be celebrating? about who we are, I was devastated, really. Because I was thinking of, like, look at all Witi Ihimaira's novels, you know, who explored a breadth and depth of who we are as, as Māori, and as this is the one that's going to gallop through and get a movie made out of it. And I was, like, I was real anti, eh? And, you know, and that was all going through, so I wasn't keen at all. So when it was, the movie was getting made and cast, I went and saw Don Sell, and he cast me, and I didn't, you know... Um, I think at that stage they had Zach Wallace was going to be um, um, Jake. Jake was the f the favourite, 
Um, I think Tim Weta was going to be Uncle Bully, and that means I could be, maybe could be Niggs. <laughs> He's pretty cool. He's in a gang, but he doesn't really want to be, but he is. I was like, uh, you know, and Sonny here? Your Sonny's here. Yeah, Sonny and I, we were roughly the same age, <laughs> but he's, he was just so much better looking. And, and I don't know what the hell happened, but when I got back, I got the word that I was Uncle Bully. I was like, what? <laughs> That's impossible. I, I look more like Nick. <laughs> I want to be that good looking fellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. The one with all the chicks. Mm. Um, how was that? How, how, how did you handle that process? Oh, uh, well, you know, I've talked about this a few times. And, you know, I went and saw my queer because I got the gig and I sort of didn't turn up and my agent said, look, man, where have you been? I said, I've been meditating in a cave, drinking water. Serious? Yeah, I had been on East Island. And, uh, and he goes, well, you know, they start shooting this week and they need you to be ready. And it's like, well, I didn't say yes. I said, I'd think about it. He goes, well, I said yes because you've been meditating in a cave. <laughs> So what are you going to do? So I went home and saw my queer. My queer said, well, I'll try and... She said, there's always jobs that people don't want to do. And I understood this because I grew up on the marae sort of thing. And um, my job was to clean the toilets. Ah, illustrious. Uh, so, yeah, so... And I understood that if you have a job to do, you try and do the best job you could. And she says, if you do a good job, people won't remember what you did, but how well you did it. Wow. So I was like... And then she said, how much are you getting paid? Take the money. <laughs> yeah, that's my queer. Um, that's what I uh, love about our people, Cliff. They're so pragmatic. But no, yeah. but I suppose it was, um, and I also sort of guessed it's like, oh, just grin it and bear it, get through it, get through that horrible scene that, we, that I had to do, you know, just get through this. I did research. I really had to try and wrestle psychologically. I think it was actually did set me up for uh, my career in, in a sense that it was a role I didn't want, that it was a very, very pivotal role. It was a very powerful role and a very powerful story and a very powerful movie. And I was like, and I had to, I had to honor it. Mm. And I had to sort of wrestle with my demons around like, why would I want to invite that into my life? Mm. And if it's a successful film, carry that burden. Mm. I don't want to. And I did lots of research into rape. Mm. Oof. You know, it was nasty. But I think what it did is it sort of, I had to focus on the task at hand. And it was very much like a sleight of hand. It was really much like um, I learned a very uh, interesting tool as an actor is that, um, you know, I don't know how to describe this. This is how I describe it. Did you look at a knife? <laughs> Dave? No? Dave Gibson, you got a knife? <laughs> Easy, bro. Um, knife, anybody got a knife? Yeah, you got a knife. It's not, re not really what I was looking for, but... <laughs> but, I mean, I I'm trying to illustrate a point here. So, you know, it's like... It's like, just imagine the knife is bigger. Just say it's a bigger knife. You know, and we're just like... We're just like having... A, can, what was your next question, brother? Did the audience have any questions? <laughs> I actually did that to Tom Hearn um, to illustrate the Serious. point. It's 20, like I was trying to figure out to Tom how to describe this creative process. 
And it is like how to inhabit a space that you don't want to be in, and you don't actually have to be in it. It's a sleight of hand. The minute I hold a blade to his knife, I'm a psychopath because I'm acting normally. So that what made Uncle Bully so repulsive was that he seemed so normal and so a part of the family as the uncle, and he was hugging and kissing. But what he was doing, the action of what he did was so repulsive, and it was like a very key moment for me as an actor to figure that out my craft, as I didn't have to live in the space. I didn't have to inhabit it. It felt filthy. I had to go and wash off afterwards, but I, I just had to hold the knife to your throat, and it was like the audience filled in the rest. Ta-da! <laughs> That's incredible. Um, um, we're just going to take a, an opportunity to have a quick look at a reel because I guess the next part, and that's incredible uh, what you just shared with us, Cliff. Um, we're just going to take a, a little look at, at some of your work. I think most of it's from Hollywood, and we'll talk a little bit about that. This is William Poyser. Shall we? I call it the red line. It's very king of the jungle, Makuna Matata, all that. You know, there's no language, just brute power, but see. You just ain't gonna believe how relaxing that shit really is, all right? I need to find an Americano who I can trust. One with uh, honor, intelligence. Need an Americano with balls, Senor Escobar. Yes, and balls, Mr. George. You know what the money's for? <coughs> Alonso, he's a hothead. Last week in Vegas, some Russian starts talking shit. Alonzo, he just snapped. He just asked to death. Well, it turns out that Russian, he's a somebody. Now, Alonzo, he's into the Russians for a million. No, no, no! No. Now all you want is your boy. It's all right. That's all you want, isn't it? You can start hey, again. Hey, I've got a child. My name's Spike. What? You heard me. No. Not that name. Spike. No!
uh, what an incredible uh, body of work, and that's not even half of it. But um, I want to talk um, about LA. Um, how was that when you first uh, decided to go to LA? It's a lot like going to Auckland for the first time. <laughs> no, I, I remember I was about 20. 21 when I first came to Auckland, it was like, what? This place is massive. <laughs> and it was Hordy and myself and Toby, we were in the back of this van that we were all sleeping in and cruising around Auckland going, this place is huge. Look at all the buildings. I can't even see the top of the buildings. It was like that. That's what LA was like when I first got there. And how hard was that transition though? Um, yeah, it was really hard. It was really, really hard. I, I didn't, I, I mean, it was, the, emotionally, I mean, I was blessed because I, I, uh, we had once were warriors and, and that was in Cannes at the time. And, um, you know, I hustled my way there. And so I had a ticket there, sort of-ish. I had a reason to go through there. And I did this uh, TV show called um, Hercules, or that was before it was a TV show. I had a gig and they had flew me to LA for, for um, um, pre-production and post-production. So that, that gave me a ticket there. So I was really, really had a really, oh, and I also had Desperate Remedies that was in there. That was at the New York Film Festival. Um, so I had about three things that gave me sort of a bit of buoyancy and I had pretty rugged, um, pretty rough showreel that I cut together. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure where the undercover was on there, Dave, but, um, but, um, but um, yeah, so I was lucky in that sense, but it was really hard for me to see how I would ever belong in a place like that. Same with wow. Auckland. I couldn't ever see myself wanting, uh, when I first saw, you know, and, and LA was the very same. It took me about 15 years to get used to the idea that, oh, okay, I can get, there's some good food here, and it's good weather and, you know, I just sort of see it as this really sort of smoggy place and, and too much traffic and I just very, very intimidated by it. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't see myself there. Was, I think that was the big problem. It, it, there's nothing wrong with LA. It was, there was something about me inherently that didn't... It's like when I went to drama school, I didn't feel like I belonged in drama school. I didn't fit in. I'm a hoary, you know. I, I like, I don't, I don't... And I thought, oh, they're just going to give me jobs as a drug dealer and a rapist and you know, that's all that I'm going to be good for there, you know? So it was a very, very big psychological, emotional journey for me over many, many years to come to terms with my inadequacies and my insecurities um, about like being in a place like Hollywood, yeah. What do you look for in a script? When somebody uh, brings you a script, and I know, I, I know you get <clears throat> pitched a lot of times and there's a lot of writers here, what do you look for in a script? Um, uh, I, I look, first thing is I look for a story. It depends, you know. There's about five, five ways of qualifying what a script is. You know, there's the story, there's the characters, um, there's the team around it, there's the financials, um, and then there's the location. <laughs> Location's a biggie, yeah? Oh, can be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like... Um, it depends, and it depends what hat I'm wearing when I'm looking at a script, you know? Like if I need to pay the bills and stuff like that, I'm wearing a different hat. Um, if I'm looking for something that's gonna make sense of my 20 years commitment to this career choice, I'm looking at things differently. 
but um, creatively, you know, um, if I'm going to be producing it, I'm wearing all of those things at once. I'm trying to figure out how to pay my investors back, how to, how to tell a great story, um, and how to, how to something that is going to give me the ability to endure the journey ahead, which anybody that's produced a movie knows what that's like. Um, but, uh, sorry, no, no, I, no, I, I but, could well, try and answer it. To be a bit more specific it, then, uh, yeah, what about as an actor I'm, I'm and, and, and the type of character? Um, as, as an actor? Okay, A, B, C. You want a beginning, a middle, and the end. You know, I make my bread and butter basically as a character supporting actor. Um, and it means that, you know, generally I'm there to support the, the scene, the on-scene, uh, the, the main event. And so I'm looking for three things, uh, four things, uh, a, a beginning, a middle, and the end. And that doesn't mean that I have to be the beginning, the middle, or the end of the movie. It could be one scene that, has a, a, that is pivotal to the narrative. That means that the narrative cannot progress without me. Otherwise, I'm going to get cut out like I did in the piano. And, and it's like... <laughs> I remember the call from Jane Campion saying, oh, and I said, where is the scene? Oh, underneath the Sydney Harbour Bridge, just like in storage. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jane, thanks for calling me. Yeah. But, um, you know, you need a story that has a, has, that, 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 that is key to the progression of the narrative, that, that, won't, that won't progress. And actually, if you're producing or writing or directing a scene or editing a scene, uh, a movie, you're looking for that every single moment of the movie. So, um, by the way, um, and the other thing I'm looking for is um, something that um, something that is, um, and it's changed over the years. I think when I started out, I was just looking for experience. I think for more and more, I'm 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 interested in something that uplifts me, that 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 um, is uplifting and 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 speaks to my soul or you know, that could speak to humanity in the long run, that elevates what we do as human beings and elevates what we do as practitioners. So I think that becomes more and more a challenge <laughs> um, to look for that. And sometimes it's like trying to wring blood out of a rock. Um, but um, yeah, <laughs> you get it. You, sometimes you have to dig real deep for it. But I'm looking for that, yeah, more and more. Cool, I've got two quick questions because I want to open it up to the audience. But um, Where's the risk of it? We, well, we, where's the risk? Cliff, that's, right. that's actually one of the questions. <laughs> Where is the risk? How, and and how, do you, how do you manage the risk? Uncle Bully, that was risky. Um, I, I think that, I think, um, I think, you know, the minute I thought it was a good idea to get into this game, it was like all bets are off. You can't get into this sort of thinking, thinking that that's, you know, risk is. I, Risk is actually um, inherent to what we do, but I also think that risk is um, that um, I think it's where the great gains are. You know, anybody that's investing, anybody who's running any kind of business, you're looking for a return on your energy, whether it's financial or whether it's like, you know, a relationship. You're hoping to get the best return for the energy you put in. So I think everything's risky in life, but I think that this. I think you're looking for, um, I'm floundering now. I think I'm looking for, um, I don't know, I just sort of see riskers in everything that we do. It's actually, there's no avoiding it. It's actually, it is what we do. But, oh yeah, the, the, the bigger, bigger returns. I think, <clears throat> again, I'm fiscally um, really conservative. I don't like to take financial risks because money's too hard to earn with what we do. 
and if I manage to finance something or something is financed, I hate to see things go over schedule, over budget, or even as an actor be, to be responsible for that. But creatively, I think risk is where you get the best gains, the greatest gains. And I'm talking sort of short term and long term. I think there's something to be said for taking a conservative run at something. You know, oh, horrors are in. Let's do horrors. Yeah? Yeah? Anybody want to do a horror? They're much easier to sell. There's a whole market at can. You go downstairs at can, and there's horrors galore. You know, there's less risk, inherent risk in it. But I think the greater gains are made, you know, um, seems we're on the theme of Once Were Warriors. It was a risky, risky gambit. And I think that, you know, um, um, uh, the, the game changes are increase, you, the, the, the greater the risk, the greater the greater the loss, but also it sort of tends to double up on your return. Okay, cool. I want to talk about just two characters quickly. Um, first of all, uh, Genesis Portini, um, because I grew up in Gisborne and, and uh, I grew up in Kaidi and, and I grew up around Genesis. <coughs> and um, I say this hand on heart that a your portrayal of Genesis was, Genesis was incredibly accurate, and I know you worked hard at that. So tell me about when Tom Hearn and James uh, showed up with the script. Yeah, that was a risk. <laughs> that was a risk. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, who are these white boys? I said, who are you? Who are you, white boy? Who are you, white fellas? And I did the same to Robin. You know, I'm very ungracious in that regard. Like, who are you? Who are you to tell this fella's story? What the heck? Where the hell are you from? Yeah. Hey, Ponsonby? <laughs> you don't know? I was very um, terrible. I, you know, I got to, I got to sort of expand Which could my be incredibly view. risky in itself. Well, you know, but but I saw that the risk was far greater for my end than you know, and you know, they, and they turned out to be amazing. They turned out to be absolutely Tom Hearns. You know, he is the future of our game at the moment. Um, so much, um, and what a talent James um, Napier Robertson is. But there was a huge risk, and then the idea, and then they said, I want to put on 300 pounds, for what? <laughs> like, do you know how old I am, bro? I know like, how to put on 300 pounds. Yeah, drink a lot of beer. <laughs> no, it was a huge risk, but then, you know, but James Napier Robertson, he pushed it across the line, and he said, look, bro, if we, <laughs> he, he understood, and we clicked, and he said, look, if we get this right, it's a game changer. Mm. And I think creatively, mainly is that for, for him and for me, it's like, we can, I can trundle around in LA, you know, doing TV series year in, year out, but whenever we're gonna get a chance for a role like that, might not ever happen again. So it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And it was a beautiful piece of work. Um, and the last character I just wanna ask you about is, is Travis Manawa um, from Fear of the Walking Dead. And, and I, I raise Travis Manawa because um, it, uh, it, it premiered as the highest ever premiere of a cable series in, in American television history, but it had a Māori as the lead character. Um, how did that go down? I think it was because they were going to kill me off. You reckon? Yeah, that's how cynical I am, yeah. Man, that's... A... Yeah, but, but so far I've squeaked through to season three, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, yeah, no, because, no, they got a really hard time because they were killing off, uh, like, killed off a two black, uh, and then there was this huge uproar. Because it was like, and you know, and and I think I think the ga the gambit's out in Hollywood that I'm not a Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> 
so it's like, and the role was originally written as Hispanic, so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I thought it was a, a fair play on their part, you know, and, uh, and you know, I'm pretty, pretty grown up about it, and I'm sort of waiting for them to give me the chop, but so far, so good, I'm still alive, yay! <laughs> I, I need to get the extension done on the house, so hopefully I can get another season done. <laughs> But how did, he, how did he become Māori, is what I, uh, what I was asking. But they suggested it. Really? Yeah, I was a bit shocked. I was like, what? Hey, you don't even know what a Māori is. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a clue, but they were like, how would you feel about it? I said, oh, that's great, sounds good. Yeah. How do you mean? Because I thought, how are they going to write that? Yeah. Logically. They, how they, they can't. They can't write it. But they can give me a Māori name, and then I'm a Māori, and they don't have to do it. <laughs> Kind of weird way you they actually wanted it. his name to be Travis Parata. Oh, did he? Yeah. Did they? Yeah. But I think uh, Miss Parata was getting a bit of bad press at the time, so yeah, I didn't know if that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and lastly, just before we open it up, because I'm really keen to get some questions, you've been admitted to the Academy, bro. Yeah. That's cool. Taika and I. That's correct, isn't it? Taika and I. Speak the good England. Speak the good England. What's that like? What does that entail? What's the academy? Anyway? Oh, it's very confusing, actually. You just kind of, just, <laughs> just kind of, kind of get a, an email, and they say, oh, you're, congratulations, you're in the academy, and I'm in the academy of what? And they're just like that. <laughs> Ampass, and it's like, what's Ampass? Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Oh, the Oscars. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I was like really confused. That's incredible, huh? But there you go. Yep. So, no, yeah, no, I don't know what it entails. I've yet to see what my duties are. I'm assuming I'm going to have to watch a lot of quality films and give my way in on it. But I don't, I'm still a baby, so I'm still learning what that is. And I, hopefully I won't get kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, questions? What's the biggest difference between working on a Hollywood set and one in New Zealand? Just for those at the back, he's just asked what uh, the difference is between working on a Hollywood set and a New Zealand set. None. I'm working on a Hollywood one right now in Henderson. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool, and it's really cool. It's Warner Brothers, big hundred million, whatever, I don't know how many millions, co-financed out of China, starring Jason Statham and a Megalodon. If you don't know what the Megalodon is, it's a giant prehistoric shark. <laughs> and, um, and it's got... Uh, Barry Osborne from Lord of the Rings is producing it. And what's really, really, really cool about it is I'm looking at the camera, and behind the camera is a fellow called Cameron, and there's this other fellow um, called Shawnee, and they were, um, you know, in the camera crew of the piano, my first piano, my first movie, wow. like 25-odd years ago. Yeah, so, so yeah, less and less. Um, but I think you mean uh, between, like, a big Hollywood movie and an independent movie like The Dark Horse or Once Were Warriors? Uh, heart and money. Yeah. I mean, not that we don't pour our heart into sort of the big, big action movies, because we love those too. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's your heart. Your heart is invested in these little movies, um, because the chances of return on it are pretty much very, very low. So you're really, really doing it from a place of love, um, and everybody on set feels that, um, um, and it raises the frequency of your work and, and, and uh, it gets you through all of what it takes to do it. And money, you just don't, just don't have the money, but um, 
and that can be as difficult as having too much money. Um, that, that, that creates other sorts of headaches. So those are the two. That's a quick answer. Oh, I'm trying to do quick answers. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are the, did you say? Particular pleasures of it. Um, it's still a new form for me. I've done a few TV series, uh, but they've never gone past season one. So it's the first time I've had a TV series go into a second season. But to put it into perspective, those people who don't understand TV, which I'm still learning about, because I've primarily been working in film the last 20 years, is that there's... The, 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 it's very, um, what are the pleasures of it? Um, the pleasures of it are um, uh, still the possibilities of what's ahead, um, uh, that I'm in something that is commercially uh, successful and viable. It sort of, it, it, it helps me sort of feel validated as a Māori in that context that um, all the steps along the way means that I'm not being, you know, I went into Hollywood with a lot of insecurities, um, um, as I said, and it's like, it sort of reflects back to me a notion that is not external, it's internal. So the pleasure is that like, hey man, hey Cliff, how do you feel if you became a Māori? <laughs> like, what? On screen in the show? I'm like going, yeah, choice. That sounds good, you know. And that there's there is some pleasure in that. I gotta say. Oh, and also something that you know. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to be a part of a phenomenon or a a some kind of a big part of the big machine. It's a different part of the world. And to be in the in the in the lead leadership role of it is, um, it's uh, yeah. I think it's sort of validation and 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 the idea that uh, it's um, the scale the scale of it, like playing to a global audience. Yeah, I think that's something of it. And do I go drinking? Um, yeah, on occasion. About sort of, I do that about once every six months. I'll go out and have a bit of a blast. Tequila in Mexico. With the zombies? Uh, oh, with the zombies? <laughs> no, they scare me. <laughs> they scare you. Uh, yep. Um, as an actor, when you go to a place like Can you hear that? Yeah, 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 there are things that I do. Um, uh, oh, oh, the question, yeah. the, what's the question? Yeah, the, the question was, is when, it, when he travels to different locations around the world, are there things that he does to ground himself uh, in those different locations? When I started out, I used to do all sorts of stuff. I used to carry little things of rocks from home. Um, I used to carry around my, my um, stick that I used to learn. I used to take that. Um, I'd go and find like um, nature spots, like wherever it was, even if it was in Manhattan, I'd go into Central Park and lie down where I could block out the skyline. You could lie down in the middle of Manhattan in Central Park, you can lie down, find a field in the middle of the night. So you're not supposed to, it's illegal to do that. <laughs> um, you go there when there's no one else there but homeless and psychopathic people, and you sort of like, lie down there and you lie down and you look up 
and there's the tree, so many trees, it blocks out the skyline of the city, and you can see the sky. And I would do lots of things like that. But nowadays, I have children and a wife to keep me grounded, so I just try to keep them near. And that, they, they do a really good job. Yeah. I'll, I'll just go, yep. Cliff, within your acting toolkit for preparing for any given role, what, what is your like, most essential tool you'll always go back to, whether it's taking your character for a walk out in public or working in a theatre? Um, yeah, honesty, I think, is kind of the, is the, is the honesty and truthfulness is sort of the, and authenticity. You know, trying to get rid of your bullshit, and because, and this applies to dealing with the PAs and the ADs and the director and the writers and everybody. You just got to strip away your bullshit, and that's that's the number one tool of, I think, any hard-working, honest artist as an actor is to try and be a bullshit-free zone. And you know, that's hard work for me. <laughs> you know, you you got to really work hard at being as honest and truthful about what it is you're doing. And I think that's the number one toolkit. Cool. Oh, we'll go here. Yep. Um, you talked about um, saying who are you to honour this role or to, to tell this story. And um, I guess overseas you've played like a lot of different um, yeah. ethnicities. Yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> different, ethnic different ethnicities. It's huge, it's huge, and I do think that. It's like, who am I to be playing an Iraqi with George Clooney? And that movie, Three Kings, Three Kings was, was a, the, a lot of the supporting cast were all, uh, pretty much all of them were Iraqi refugees. And so they called me out. They were like, hey, you, you fella, you know, who are you to like be playing a Middle East? Are you Middle East? And I said, nah, nah, not even close. And, uh, and then and I just threw it back. I said, look, who out of you guys are actors? And I was like, this not actors. None of them. I was like, okay, cool. Here's the deal. I'm an actor. This is what I do a profession. I'm going to do everything that I can to honor you guys with dignity and to my utmost to, to be respectful of who you are and to be as specific and authentic about who you are as I can be. Um, and then you can judge me on my work, not on that I'm not one of you because I'm an actor and you're not one of them and you're on the set, so... What about it? <laughs> well, we'll just take a couple more. Oh, man. Okay, it's the best and the worst of times, I think. You know, in, 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 in business terms, you know, the, the business is really, really erratic. You know, when I, you know, when I got into it 20 years ago, I was on the outside looking and sort of thinking I don't belong, and now I'm in the middle of it, and I'm, I've got so many options around me, I, I don't have enough arms to sort of to pull it all in. So that's the best of it. And, and, and the worst of it is, like, the, the market is in a huge flux, and there are no rules, which is the best of it you know, for someone young coming in. You get to define what the next phase of this industry is. The other best of it is, is that New Zealand is no longer this faraway place. We are doing everything. So if you're somebody young and you're getting in it from here, you know, this is probably the best time to get into the business where it's kind of, you know, where it's like we're resourced in a way 
It's incredible. If you think back, Robin, you think back 20 years, or Dave's gone now, but it's like, you think back 20 years ago, what's happening now? It's incredible. And, and we forget to, to look at how far we've come. Because we, we didn't have an industry. We were a cottage industry. We were a cottage, we were like baking scones and pikelets. That's what we were doing. Robin was running around asking for two bucks to make a movie. You know, it's like, but now it's like we've got access. Look at Taika. Look at that dude with his quirky indie film ways. <laughs> what the hell is Hollywood thinking? They're open. They are open for business. Watch this space. Watch this space. It's like, it's the worst time because there's no rules and you can't, in terms of assessing risk, it's horrifying for me when I look at like how risky it is to enter a venture. Like, how the hell am I going to pay back X amount of dollars to investors and stuff? Because I can't read the market. It's a terrible market to try to read, from my point of view. But you fellas, if you're getting into it, you get to build what the market is becoming. And so it's the best time for you. Because the gatekeepers that used to be, they're irrelevant now. They don't hold the keys to the gate because they don't know. They're asking Tyker to run a $250 million machine. <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> because they don't know. And they know. And they know that they don't know. <laughs> Is he? Is he? For 20 years, yeah, 20 years ago, they knew because they had the distribution locked up, they had the financing locked up, they had the development locked up. It was what they call a vertically integrated system. You couldn't get in without them. That's all been blown apart. You know, it's like, and then for about 10 years, they didn't know, but they were pretending they still knew, but they didn't. <laughs> but now they know that they don't know. They're done. <laughs> Dinosaurs. Yeah. Get in there. Tear it up. Tear it up. It's all yours. I'm a crower now, you know? You fellas have got to, like, take the charge because I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder, you know, and I'm, like, thinking, I have not got a clue what you fellas are going to come up with. It's scary, but it's awesome. Awesome. Okay, one last question, um, and then... Oh, I wish I had a really elegant way of describing that process. But I don't have an elegant way about me anyway, so that would be tough. Um, uh, you know, the invitation was to be a, a method actor, which neither I or the director had ever experienced. So <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of ways, it wasn't a great idea. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, 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 um, but we went at it full-heartedly. So how did, we, how did we do it? With full commitment. It didn't, didn't pull anything back. How did I stay in it? I, I, I don't know that I did, and I don't know if it is possible. I don't know how those guys do what they do when they do that. But it's a very, it's a very risky creative space, but especially with that character, it was very, very difficult to stay in that space. I was drunk a lot, yeah. I drank a lot of beer because I couldn't keep the calories. I couldn't take all the calories in. And as an actor, I did notice over the years that there were these very, very fine artists that were alcoholics. And I used to think, maybe they're good because they're alcoholics. I never wanted to be an alcoholic. So I got to try that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't ever want to do that again. But um, 
I'm sorry, I don't have a more eloquent or eloquent way of describing what was a very beautiful, um, uh, tumultuous, creative, challenging, um, wild, wild ride. Um, just before I call on Tommy yep. Hearn to actually come down and, and, and I think say a few words on behalf of uh, Script to Screen, I obviously just want to take the opportunity on behalf of everyone here today um, to thank the man that has played Fraser, Uncle Bully, Mamuli, Amir, Sheikh Fadala, Pablo Escobar, Mana three times, <laughs> Claudio, Smiley, <clears throat> Parodangi, Hook, Firelord, Travis Manawa, Genesis, and finally Jesus. <laughs> Proving the long-held suspicion that Jesus is Māori, brother. <laughs> so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's give an awesome big round of applause for Cliff Curtis. Hey, Tommy. Tell my brother. The man. Kia ora whanau. Um, I have the responsibility today of thanking all of our uh, sponsors and partners um, who Obviously, without their support, we wouldn't have been able to put on this awesome event. Um, and I wanted to start by thanking um, all of the people who have spoken at the event. Um, it's actually, from, from experience, um, you know, it's actually, it's, it's quite a scary, risky thing to come up and be that vulnerable in front of a group of people. And I think often we sit in the audience and, and sort of underestimate um, how scary that is for people to make themselves vulnerable and and share in that way. So um, firstly, I just wanted to start by thanking all of the speakers and I'd just like to, for us all to give them a big round of applause to show our gratitude. Um, secondly, I'd like to thank our event partners, um, obviously our, our huge supporters, the New Zealand Film Commission, NZ On Air and Images and Sound, thank you very much. Um, yes, go on, clap. Also like to thank uh, the Pullman Hotel in Auckland, um, our host here, the University of Auckland Department of Media, Film and Television. Um, our other sponsors, Park Row Post-Production, South Pacific Pictures, The Random Group, Transmission Films, Greenstone, and a new sponsor this year, the first Australian um, completion bond company, FACB, who probably will never bond me again after Cliff has told everyone that he was drinking on our set for the um, majority of the show. Cheers, brother. Um, um, uh, also, APRA, um, our official supporters, um, Screenwrites, uh, the, the International Institute of Modern Letters and Loading Docks. Um, I'd also like to thank the rest of the Script to Screen board, 
um, beautiful group of people. Um, Christina Milligan, Tim Riley, Tainui Stevens, Sophie Henderson, and Cass Avery. Um, also, thank you to all the pe all of our volunteers who have donated time and, and got behind the event. Can we give them a round of applause too, please, folks? Um, our business partners in the event, um, Justine Mackay and Andy Dowding from JNA Productions and their team, um, Rachel Wilson, Aisha Hall, Brooke Miller, and Jess Manthe. Um, and also an extra big thank you to our event manager, uh, Sarah McDermott um, from JNA, and to Aloise Viber from uh, Script to Screen as well, both who have absolutely poured their souls into this event and to making it the spectacular gig that has been these last couple of days. So thank you very much to both of you. Also, the rest of the Script to Scream team, including um, our, our intern for this year, Violet, and also uh, Chanel Timu. Um, and finally, um, a big thank you to uh, Miriam Smith, who uh, was helped program the event this year and has worked so hard and, and done such an incredible job. And um, yeah, to finish it, yeah, so thank you. Yep. Um, and to finish, um, Esther, you're a machine, man. Like, it's been such a privilege to um, be on the board with you, you know, um, for the event and for Script to Screen generally, and just to see how hard you work and how passionate you are about um, the impact of, uh, you know, not just the big screen symposium, but everything that Script to Screen do across the board. Um, yeah, I really admire you, and, and um, yeah, thank you so much for making this possible for all of us. So, yeah, geld up. Yeah, no, so definitely, um, I hope you guys have had an amazing time. I know I'll leave again this year with a couple of real gems. Um, I'll never forget the experience uh, yesterday listening to um, eight beautiful, powerful uh, Māori female directors up on the Wadu panel. It was such a special experience that will stay with me um, forever. Um, obviously, um, so many other highlights, but... Um, yeah, I hope you guys have got your your little treasures to take away with you and, and sort of will go out there and charge ahead and continue to take risks and continue to um, make special films that we can all come together and talk about next year and in the, in the years in the future. Um, I would just like to invite uh, Tainui Stevens to come to the floor and to um, close us out uh, with a karakia as in, in correct fashion as we opened the event. Tēnā koe, Tom. Um, uh, just to follow on from Tom's thoughts, I think for me, one of the most moving things about the kaupapa of hui and this thing about playing or managing or working with risk, um, for me, illustrated kind of inimitably and hilariously by Christopher Doyle and movingly by Petra Bretkelly, was investigating the moment. Living in that moment, seeing if there's risk, going with it. And I think for me, that's one of the important things about prayer, um, that we give thanks for what we have. We give thanks for this moment. So with Cliff's leave, I'd like to say a few words to his dad. Nō reira, uh, ki tato. 
e tari ki te mea kai hākoe te māramatanga, whaka tūria mai tuhora hi tika hai whae mā mātou, ki a kore e mātou e taka ki te hea ki te whare rānei. Ki a pākau mai tau ringa ata whae kino e ki tēnei ki tēnei o mātou, ka rūtua nei te pauri e te mamai. O tira a tiari ki whakakahangia mātou. Whakakahangia mātou e ki a tāia e mātou ngā wawata, ngā tūmanako mueni mahi kaue kōrero a mātou. We turn to the gods of our understanding and give thanks for this moment. We give thanks for who we are, for what we know, for our curiosity, for our imagination, for our taste. We ask, us to, we ask you to enable us to investigate the moment and to give us the bravery to pursue the moment to its storytelling conclusion. And these moments come to us each and every day. We ask for your blessings. E i o e rangi tāpapa e moe tātawa tāmuka whakorongo. I rotu i tātawhi tōra tāparongo nui a rangi e. Ka toko rangi i tahu rangi rangi nui i rangi roa rangi whātuma rangi mataura. Ka rewa rangi ki hoki anga hoki mai ki te mataura te piotai whakarua tērā ka hora te tai ki te waitha matā. Tūturu ohiti whakamaua ki a tīna. Haumie hui e tai ki e. Kia ora.